So what day to Skippoli? Welcome again to another episode of Latin in Layman's with me, your host, Mr. Connerly. My first name is Liam, but I've gotten so used to refer be it. Whoa. I've gotten so used to referring to myself as Mr. Connerly uh, because of school and all that stuff that like, let's, let's, let's do that. I like that. I like the sound of it. I hope you guys do too. Just getting a little bit of water there for a second. We've got a, a snow day here today in Colorado. Thank the dear Lord God. We've all needed a break so much. And I know us teachers all around right now are having to really call audibles. And, you know, I'm not getting my planning times like hardly ever now into this new semester. Um, I'm usually having to sub for other classes and um, and other teachers who are out as well as everybody else in my school. So, you know, it's been really nice to have a, a day where we can kind of recoup a little bit more because I need it and we all need it. So, so yeah, but you know what? I do want to shout out my boy, my girl, my it slash he, he, they, them language Latin here because Latin has given me the, um, the onus to really take on any subject without a lot of, um, I don't know, fear anymore or anything like that. Because yesterday I had to sub for a math class and, you know, it was like, you know, it was just really honestly refreshing to teach something entirely different because I knew how to teach everybody everything that was that we were going over, which was um, linear equations and uh, elimination and substitution and all that good stuff. It's, you know, very simple. And then I think about that and then I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, you do a lot of substitutions in Latin. That's what the base plus the ending is. And that's why, you know, I think like Latin has kind of ignited both the left and right side of my brain in a way where I feel, I feel like I'm very analytical. I love that side of me. I love science, but at the same time, I really cherish art. I really cherish uh, the classics, language, literature. I love to read, all that good stuff. Um, whereas, you know, when, before I actually used to loathe to read because of how slow I was at reading or something like that. But at the end of the day, um, I don't know. Yeah, my, my ambiguously gendered, language we call Latin. I thank you very much for giving me uh, such a, uh, a confidence in myself that I didn't know that I could have, as well as my students are learning. So without further ado, uh, diving off into our intro there, where I like to go on to a little tangent, we're going to dive into the second declension now that we've introduced First conjugation, first declension, and now second declension. Uh, right now with my class, we are going over what I decided to do is uh, the first declension and then learning the first conjugation. But you know what I'm learning is that the students pick up the first conjugation a lot more quickly than they do the declension, which makes a lot of sense. Like declension, you have four extra endings you have to memorize as well as all these terms such as nominative, genitive, dative, accusative, ablative that we went over last episode. So I get it. I understand. So now as I'm thinking about it, I'm learning how to pivot and or uh, fine tune uh, the way that I instruct later on into my future if I decide to continue, continue to do so. Um, 
Anyways, second declension, um, where first declension includes mostly feminine nouns with an A at the end of their base. Um, you know, that's how I like to think about that. Uh, second declension includes mostly masculine and neuter nouns with O and or uh, U-S and or E-R. Um, E-R is kind of irregular, but U-S and O um, is uh, the predominant uh, vowel and or vowel consonant cluster that we'll see. Um, uh, the way that I think about that first declension, feminine endings, think about in antiquity, we had names like Julia. And on the other hand, on the masculine side, we had Julius and then Brutus and then maybe Caesar with an E-R. Whereas we had Cleopatra and then we had Faustina and then another one that my students tend to laugh at, but a common one was Lesbia as well. So just want to throw that out there. That's a good way that I helped identify it. First declension feminine, second declension we're going to get into masculine and then further on into neuter. Um, the second declension has different forms from the first declension, but uses uh, the same cases, okay? So the cases are always used the same throughout. They're universal throughout Latin, throughout all five declensions, I believe. Uh, there are five. I, I honestly forget, you know. I don't really dive all the way back into those uh, topics until I have to, which I haven't had to in a while. So, However, uh, side note, there's an important distinction between first and second declension. The O at the end of the base in second declension is weak, and it doesn't show up as O as often as the A shows up in the first declension. So I like to refer to patterns and things like, you know, similarities to help us memorize. Just a little side note, make it a little bit more difficult. Uh, the first declension, ah, I, I, um, ah, I, arum, is, us, is pretty straightforward whereas uh we'll get into the second declension in a second um the second declension o can appear as a u as well as the nominative singular us as i mentioned earlier with julius and brutus or the accusative singular which is a um or it can appear as an appear as an i in the genitive singular and nominative plural and the dative and ablative plural as an is which is very much the same as the first declension. So let's get into it real quick. Nominative singular is US or in some cases ER, and we'll discuss that in a hot second. The genitive singular is an I, dative is an O, accusative is a UM, ablative is an O, and the irregular, irregular vocative that I don't really teach my students, but whatever, it's, it's an E, short E. And then in the plural, it's an I, it's an orum instead of an aurum in the uh, first conjugation, first declension, uh, and then an is, which is the same as the first conjugation, declension, gosh, Liam, come on. And then an os in the accusative plural, and an is in the ablative plural, and the evocative here is just like the nominative plural, which is an I. Okay, so all together, that's going to sound like an us, e, o, um, o. E or is os is. Okay. So ah, I, I, um, ah, I, orum is os is. First declension. Us, e, o, um, o. E orum is os is. In the second declension. So you can see and hear some 
uh, familiarity slash similarities between the two. There are a few overlaps. I wish I could draw them out for you, but I, alas, cannot draw into the ethers. So you're going to have to rely on my voice to paint a solid picture, which I hope I am doing. In forming a second declension masculine noun, you do the same thing as you did in the first declension. So you take that noun that belongs in the, that declension, remove the I genitive singular ending from the genitive singular form to get the base, right? And then add the endings on. So for example, in that process, we could use the word filius, which would mean son in Latin. On the other hand, we could say filia, and that would refer to a female aka a daughter. So the base would be Philly Eve, F-I-L-I. We got rid of that U-S. So to that, you would add the ending. So it would be in the nominative singular all the way to the, to the ablative singular and on. Phileus, uh, Philly E, Philly O, Philly Um, Philly O. We'll talk about the vocative in a sec. Philly E, Philly Om, Philly Ease, Phileos, Phileas. Now the vocative singular of this word, the Romans didn't like taking the base that ended with an I and putting a short E after it. Uh, that would have produced a philly. Yay. I don't know how to do that. And that sounded disagreeable to Romans, I would assume, because it was disagreeable to me right now. Uh, so they left the E off the vocative ending if there was an I at the base of the, at the end of the base. So thus the vocative for phileus would just be philly E just like in the plural. Now let's address a minor peculiarity involving second declension. I mentioned we'd touch on this later. This is that later. The Romans, for some reason, did not like to end second declension masculine nouns with R-U-S. Okay, so if a base ended in R, then the base puer, which means boy, the Romans, instead of going puer us in the nominative singular, just went puer. But you can see from the rest of the forms of the words, the real base is puer because the word declines puer, pueri, puero, and so on. Here's another simpler way to look at it. If the second declension masculine noun ends in an er, it's a nominative singular. You can tell whether the e is retained in the base or not by looking at that one form. So you have to look at the genitive singular to see whether the base does what grammarians call contracts or not. Um, the Latin word liber, meaning book, I love that because, you know, it gets, it's where we get the word liberation from, maybe. Um, also library. But, uh, you know, reading makes you free, in my opinion. Uh, some of my students would definitely disagree. Liber meaning book, though, um, it illustrates this principle well. By just looking at the nominative singular liber, it's impossible to tell if the base contracts or not. But by looking at the genitive singular libri, which does not have an e, you can see that, in fact, the word does contract and the base of the word is l-i-b-r. Okay, so the nominative singular is l-i-b-e-r. And so what happens is, is it contracts into the genitive singular as l-i-b-r and then the genitive singular ending, which is an I, would be tacked onto the end of it, which would get give us libri. We wouldn't get liberi. Uh, in genitive singular, it would just be libri. This is the base uh, that will, will be used 
for all the non-nominative singular forms of this word except for the vocative. But whoever talks to books, so um, I don't think we really need to worry about that. The genitive singular becomes very important with these words because it shows whether the base contracts or not. So for instance, puer, puery does not contract, right? Puer is spelled P-U-E-R. And then in the genitive singular, it's P-U-E-R-I. So as you can see, uh, unlike libri, puer-e does not contract nor does agar, okay? Agar contracts to agri, right? The, uh, that's where we get the word agriculture. It translates into field, the Roman word for field, in fact, from which we get the words um, other than, well, other than agriculture, uh, you guys think of more. Uh, and agricola, is farmer. Anyways, it's funny that, you know, field is masculine, but agricola, farmer, is feminine. So, you know, sometimes uh, they had methods to the madness with genderizing certain things, and sometimes they didn't. So these ER second declension nouns demonstrate the importance of deriving the base of a Latin noun from its genitive singular, not its nominative singular. A principle that's true of nouns all across all declensions in Latin because too often, the nominative singular is irregular all the time. As well as, as the, my students know that we've been talking about a lot, the first uh, person singular a lot of the time is irregular from the rest of a um, verb. So uh, that's why the genitive singular is listed in the vocabulary and dictionaries and why I always mention it. It supplies the proper base. All right, thank you very much. And we are back. So let's review this simple and important formula. Okay, just like math, just like substitution. We eliminate and then we substitute in uh, a base and or an ending to change the meaning of the word or the ending and how that word translates in a sentence. So to get the base of any Latin noun, drop the ending from the second form in the vocabulary the genitive singular. With that, you'll have the base to which uh, to attach the proper endings, okay? So in first declension, uh, a word like fortuna, fortunae, ae, which is feminine, if you drop the ae singular, genitive singular ending from the second form, you can see that the base is fortun, right? F-O-R-T-U-N. That's the base that you use to create the rest of the forms. Fortuna, fortunae, fortunae, fortunam, fortuna. With a word like agar, agri, which is masculine, which we just discussed, if you drop the genitive singular ending I from the second form, you can see that the base is agar, A-G-R. And that base, with no E in it, remember, is the base used to create all the rest of the forms after the genitive singular. While it is tempting often to use the nominative singular to get the base of the noun, because the base does often exist there in, in, in its proper form, don't get into that, this habit. Too often, the, um, the nominative singular is irregular. You will do yourself a great favor now by practicing using the genitive singular to get the base of the word. I really recommend that. 
Okay, second declension is one of those few categories of nouns in Latin where the vocative singular is different from the nominative singular. So, for instance, a second declension masculine name like Marcus has a vocative singular ending in ending in a short e, which is Marque. Likewise, the vocative of a word like tyrannus, meaning tyrant, is tyranne. Or of amicus, it's amicae. Amicus meaning friend, that's where we get the word amicable. In all these instances, the noun is being directly addressed. But there are two instances when e is not used in second declension vocative singulars. First, if the nominative singular of the second declension noun ends in an ius, the vocative singular has no ending. So, for instance, if the name Virgilius, the name, the Latin form of the name of the great Roman poet Virgil, has a vocative of Virgili, not Virgili. There is no e ending. So it is dropped all together, right? It's just a, instead of a IE ending, they drop that E off. So secondly, if the nominative singular ends in ER, the vocative returns to its normal form in other declensions where it's identical to the nominative singular. So for instance, the vocative singular of the word puer is puer, not puer with an E ending. Okay, so that is really all I have for you guys. I rarely go in-depth into the vocative like that, so hopefully that fleshes out some a few things. Remember, vocative referring to direct address. Remember, nominative, subject, genitive, possessive noun, dative, indirect object, accusative, direct object, ab an ablative referring to a prepositional phrase and or the object of a preposition. Okay? So that's going to conclude our lesson for today. I appreciate you guys. If you guys stuck this far into it, uh, stay tuned. Latin revamped. Hopefully, I'm honing in my craft, getting new ideas on how to maybe uh, throw in some good uh, lecture concepts for the kiddos. So, you know what? It's always practice for me as well. All righty, y'all. Tempus est discedere. I thank you all.